How's everyone doing today? Awesome. As David said, turn to John chapter 10. We're in a series called I Am, and we're looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus. And we're doing this because we want to know who Jesus is. Who Jesus is matters. Amen? Uh, Jesus is so much more than just a, a prophet, a good teacher, even a miracle worker. Um, our eternity hinges on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so I want to know Jesus. Uh, I want you to know Jesus. I want there to be no mistake of who Jesus says and declares to us that he is. And that's what John's purpose was too um, in his gospel. In fact, at the very end of it, he says, but these are written, these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That's what John said his purpose was in recording all the miracles and these declarations of Jesus so that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the Messiah and there's life in his name. Amen? So we looked at the first week, uh, the bread of life, last week, the light of the world. Today's message is, I am the gate. And so what I'm going to do is read the passage in John chapter 10. Um, we're going to read the first 10 verses, and we're going to focus uh, on chapter, excuse me, verses 6 through 10. So read with me, if you will, John chapter 10, verse 1. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't, vo they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that your word is truth, and as we just want to get to know you more today. I pray that you would open our eyes and let us behold the wonderful truths from your word. Lord, as we look to Jesus to get to know him even more, I pray, God, that you would make it clear to us today. And I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Verse 7, I am the gate for the sheep. Some of your translations might say, I am the door for the sheep. We've all walked through many doors in our lives. You walked through some doors today as you came to worship. I remember when God started really just changing my life as I walked through the, the doors of a church for the first time in many years and, and how God used a specific minister there to just speak and connect with me on a level that I had not been connected with in the past. That was a doorway that began a transformation. I'm a pastor today because I walked through that door. I'm glad I walked through that door. Another one very important to me is uh, there's a little door um, in a house and on Ada Street in Granite, Oklahoma. Behind that door is a family of my now wife, Rachel. You know, for a long time, we kind of were sweet on each other. I worked at Sonic, and so I would push a little red button and flirt with her over the intercom, and she would come in and ask for a Coke. She came in all the time, y'all. I think she liked me. <clears throat> and so I'd flirt with her, but we didn't know each other that well. And I remember the time that I made the trip from Mangum to Granite, and I went up to her house <clears throat> and uh, knocked on that door, and that door was open, and it began uh, a whole another chapter in our lives, and then we began to date, and then I married her. 
And I told the first church, the first service this morning that she, when I married her, she was the right woman. Her maiden name was Wright. And she's not been right since. So, um, <laughs> but it's a really important door for me. I mean, I love my wife and I love that God put us together. That was a cool door to walk through, amen? And one that I laugh about is a door at my house currently, and we have this little cupboard, this little pantry, um, and this door has a plunger switch on it so that when you open the door, the light comes on, but it also has a squeak to it. And I have two grandchildren, and Wes, when he was just barely walking, um, he would hear that door open, and he would come running to the cupboard. Why? Because there were knacks in there. Knacks, dude, give me a knack. You know, he wanted a snack, and the, the Cheetos were behind that door. The animal crackers were behind that door, and he just wanted whatever was on the other side. There was provision on the other side of that door. And so we understand this idea of doorways. Some of the doors on our houses have locks to keep the bad people out for protection, right, for security. But the most important door that we will walk through in life is the door of of, of salvation. And Jesus himself says, I am that door. I am the gate. So in this third I am declaration statement of Jesus, he is revealing a little bit more of his character, his identity, his deity, and he's revealing to us our deepest need and how he meets that need. And it's in this passage that we need to understand chapter 10 is just a continuation of chapter 9. Uh, there's no break there. It's the same people, same day. What happened in chapter 9? Well, in chapter 9, Jesus is following his teaching about, about being the light of the world, and he meets this man that was born blind. And so Jesus spits in the mud, uh, in the dirt, makes some mud, and he, and he puts it on the man's eyes, and he says, now go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man does it, and he comes back seeing for the first time in his life. What a cool miracle, right? He just validated what he said. I am the light of the world. I can open the eyes of the blind, and I can do it spiritually too. And so Jesus revealed his deity there. Well, this caused a ruckus amongst the church, if you will, the religious crowd of the day. Um, so they started asking the questions to the guy, who healed you? I couldn't see him. Here's what he did. He made mud. He put it on my face. He said, go wash, and now I can see. That's not good enough. So they go to his parents. Parents, is it true that this young man was born blind? They're like, yep, he was born blind. Then explain to us why he can now see. I don't know. He's a grown man. Ask him. They were afraid of getting kicked out of church. So they go back to the man again, and they just keep badgering him. It's like, why, why are you able to see now? And he's like, I don't know how else to tell you. This man, Jesus, put stuff on my eyes, told me to go wash, and now I can see. And they kept going on and on. And finally he gets clever, probably a little smarter like he, and he says, what, do you want to be his disciples too? All that ticked them off. And at the end of that, they say, you think you're smarter than us? I mean, we're the teachers of the law. And he says, they answered, are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. They threw him out of church. Have you ever been kicked out of church before? I come close a few times. It's kind of scary, right? But the synagogue was their church. That was where they were at. And, and, and this man, because of the miracle that Jesus had performed for him, now gets kicked out of the synagogue because his answer doesn't satisfy the religious leaders of the day. I love this next verse. I think it's really important. It just shows us the heart of Jesus. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, that this man got kicked out of the synagogue, it says he found the man. Aren't you glad that Jesus goes looking for the man, the lost man, right? So he says he comes and he finds the man and he talks to him and he says, I want to believe. He says, hey, I'm the one that did it. And so these Pharisees are listening to him. They're standing by and they hear Jesus talking about people who are blind. And they said, if you, um, he says, are you saying that we're blind? The Pharisees, Jesus, are you throwing a little shade at us? Are you saying that we're blind? And Jesus responded, he said, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim 
that you can see. And so on the heels of this, he immediately goes into this new word picture, this allegory, this parable, if you will, to explain a spiritual truth using something that they would understand very well in their day. Some scholars believe Jesus was standing in Solomon's temple and that Solomon's temple on the east gate was the sheep gate. Very, very familiar with that area and they would bring the sheep there all the time. And so Jesus, possibly standing in that area next to the sheep gate, goes into this story. In John chapter 10, he covers two of the I am statements. We'll look at the second one next week, touch on it a little bit this morning. But he talks about the good shepherd and then he talks about being the gate. I am the gate And so it's on the heels of what had happened that Jesus begins to share with them what's going on. And so verse 6 through uh, 10, I want us to notice five things in this this section of the Scripture. Notice first off the crowd that is addressed. Who is Jesus talking to? Jesus is talking to those religious leaders. He's talking to the Pharisees. And he's using an illustration that would be common to all of them. They all understood shepherding and sheep and sheepfolds. And it's very common throughout the Old Testament scripture to to talk about shepherds. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac, Jacob, Moses was a shepherd. David was the shepherd boy. And so they knew this. But the ultimate shepherd, the one that they looked to, was the shepherd, the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, right? There was all these passages that they looked at that said God is the shepherd of the people. But then he gave the responsibility of teaching the children of Israel to the teachers of religious law and to the Pharisees. He said, hey, you guys are going to shepherd my people Israel. And what are they doing? They're kicking people out of the church. Right? They kicked this man out of the church because of a miracle that he received. And so Jesus is talking to these Pharisees. He's kind of in their face, if you will. And there's some tension being built. By this point, I mean, they've already tried to kill him. That They picked up stones to throw at him because he said, before Abraham was, I am. Right? And these I am statements, each one are pointing back to his deity. And he's like, I am. Before Abraham, I, I was already there. I am. I am the gate. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And it says they pick up, picked up stones to throw at him. So there's some tension building. And he's talking to these shepherds, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law. And he's about to light into them. And so just to give you some background of the prophecy of these shepherds, Um, During Jesus' time, Ezekiel speaks of it. And I won't read it all because of the time, but he says uh, in, in chapter 34 of Ezekiel, it says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. They recognize them as the shepherds. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their own flocks? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You've not gone looking for those who have wandered away or are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. Later he says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on the dark and cloudy day. He goes on to talk about, I will set over him one shepherd, over them, excuse me, one shepherd, my servant David. David's already dead and gone at this point. He's prophesying of the shepherd that would come from the line of David, we know as Jesus. He says, 
And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among the people. I, the Lord, have spoken. Over and over in the Old Testament, there are prophecies about these wicked shepherds. And now Jesus is standing before them, and he's kind of about to lay into them because of their response of a miracle uh, that this man received. And um, let me just give you another background. Matthew chapter 23, um, where Jesus criticizes, again, the religious leaders. He says, woe to you, teachers of religious law. He says, these guys are the official interpreters of the law of Moses, so do what they say, but don't do what they do. He says, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. They do everything for a show. He says, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door. You shut the door to the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others either enter either. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, for you cross land and sea to make one convert and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell as yourselves are. Ouch. Jesus is speaking to the religious crowd, and he's saying, you know, there's a sheepfold. And let me just give you a little background. The sheepfold there was a place that they held their sheep overnight. Um, and there, there's believed to be two different areas where this is real common. One of them was like near a village, close to town, if you will. And so when the shepherds would come in over the night, they'd all bring their sheep, and they'd all go to one pen, and they would share that pen and there would be a gate there, and there would be somebody as a gatekeeper that was just watching over the sheep overnight so the shepherds could go do whatever they're going to do. The next morning they would come back, and the gatekeeper would recognize them as a shepherd, say, hey, this is obviously the shepherd. Let him come and get his sheep. And the shepherd would go up, and he would call his sheep by name, and they would respond to his voice, and he would lead them out. He was the shepherd of the sheep. And that's the, the picture that I think we see in the first part of chapter 10. And he says, the sheepfold there. He says, a thief that goes over the walls is, is not the true shepherd, but the true shepherd is going to go through the gate. Okay? Are you with me so far? There's another kind of sheepfold that they used out in the open terrain. And this is actually a pretty elaborate, nice one, but they would stack rocks up out in the middle of nowhere. Notice there's no gate on the sheepfold. So at night, to protect them from the wild animals, uh, the shepherd would lead the sheep into this little corral, if you will, the sheepfold, and he himself would lay down in the opening, and he would literally be the gate of the sheep. Go to the next picture. Sometimes it was a more crude um, laying out of sticks, just something to prevent wild animals from getting to the sheep, for the sheep to get out. And notice again, no gate. There's the entrance there, and the shepherd would himself lay down in that entrance, and he says, I'm the door, I'm the access, I'm the gate. The sheep aren't going to come in or go out over me, right? I'm going to lead them in, lead them out. So Jesus uses this imagery that they were very familiar with, and he's speaking to the Pharisees, and they wanted to stop Jesus, and so he makes this claim. Notice in verse 7, the claim that he made. We've been talking about these, the seven I am declarations of Jesus. And he says, I am the gate. I'm the door. I am the access. Right? Very clearly, very plainly, he's telling these religious leaders, I'm the gate. I am the door. I'm the gate of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. So he says, I am the gate. I am the door. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it talks about a narrow gate that leads to eternity and a wide, broad highway that leads to destruction. He says, enter through the narrow gate. Later, Jesus, in John 14, I believe it is, he says, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through 
me. And so Jesus is making this declaration, I am the gate. I am the way to the Father. I am your access. That's good news, isn't it? Now listen, in a world today that might seem, that may seem like, hey, that's kind of narrow-minded and, and that's offensive to everybody else that thinks there's other ways, don't shoot the messenger. It's not my doctrine. Jesus himself said, I am the gate. I'm the door. I, I'm the way to the sheepfold or to the Father. And so he says, I am, in fact, the gate. No one comes to the Father but by me. I, I get some encouragement in that uh, because I know that when Jesus says, I am the way to the Father, I am the gate, I know that it's not Jesus plus whatever else I can keep up with and do to be made right with God. Amen? You think about the religious Pharisees at the day when Jesus showed up, they made the law so difficult that it was impossible for them to possibly fulfill all of the requirements of the law. And Jesus comes in and says, you guys are you're destroying people and you're blocking the way, the narrow entrance to heaven, and you yourself won't go in. He says, I am the gate. Notice also that he exposes them as frauds. I'm sure this was not easy to swallow when he said it. He goes, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, or it says truly, truly. When we see that in Scripture, we need to know this is a very important statement Jesus is fixing to release on us, right? He's using a, a physical object for them to describe a spiritual truth to them. And he's saying, hey, this gate, just like a shepherd is the gate at the sheepfold, I am the gate to the Father. And he says, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. Now, some of your translations may say are thieves and robbers because the, the verb there is in the perfect tense, and it means like he's standing in front of these religious leaders and saying, all that came before me, <clears throat> that'd be you, are thieves and robbers. That'd be hard to swallow, wouldn't it be? If you were, if you were one of the religious teachers of the day, he says, you're charlatans, you're fake, you're fraud, you make all these claims, but you're not the true access to the Father in fact, you're keeping people from getting to the Father with all those rules and regulations. And so he exposes them in verse 8. And the next word says, but. And I love buts in the Bible. They're very important. And when we see those, let's look at what it says after that. It says, all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. I love that, right? I was reading a, a story earlier of, a, I think it was a, in Australia, and where they have a lot of herds and sheep there. And there's two shepherds that were arguing over whose sheep, um, you know, I'm, those are my sheep, those are my sheep. And so it went to court. And in court, you had the plaintiff and the defendant, and they're like, those are my sheep, those are my sheep. And so finally the judge has the, the bright idea to bring in another witness, and he brings in the sheep into the courtroom. And he puts them out in the hallway, and he says, okay, plaintiff, come out here and, and call your sheep. And if they come to the courthouse, well, no. Of course, he gets up, and he calls his sheep, but they don't come. And then the defendant steps up, and he does his little call. He calls the sheep, and every one of them came into the courtroom. He says, there's the true owner of the sheep. Why? Because the shepherd knows the sheep. The sheep knows the shepherd. Amen? And he says, I am the gate. All that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep do not listen to them. Why? Because they know the voice of the shepherd. And then he extends a call to them and to us as well. Verse 9. Yes, here he goes again. I am the gate. I am the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find 
good pastures. So I'm the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. I'm so glad that the gospel is really that simple, that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. I'm the gate. All that come through me will be saved. I'm not one of the gates, but I am the gate. And whoever comes through me will be saved. There's security in Jesus. Amen? You place your faith in Jesus. I trust in Jesus plus nothing. I mean, I'm tired of trusting in religion. Religion's going to set me up to fail all the time. I am so grateful that Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the way. And if I trust in him for my salvation, there is security in that. There's hope in that as well. Amen? Because one day at the end of this life, I don't have to worry. Did I cross all the T's and dot all the I's? Jesus is the gate. I've gone through the gate of salvation by placing my faith in him, and there's security in that. Jesus plus nothing. Amen? He is the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. And so here's what we need to know. He alone provides access to eternal life as well as freedom and protection to those who enter through him. Jesus says, I'm the gate. He extends this call of salvation. Well, what is it? We recognize that we're sinners. Do you know that on your best day, I mean, early morning, you just wake up, you've not said anything, you've not thought anything, on your best day, The Bible says that your righteousness is like filthy rags compared to him. There's no one righteous, no, not one. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You believe that statement? So if we're all sinners and the wages of sin is death, we need to understand the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so there's no other name given under heaven by which men may be saved. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the gate. And he extends that call to us. And once we realize our need for a Savior and we trust in him for salvation, that is to pass through the gate. And when you pass through the gate, you can have confidence that he's the gatekeeper, not you, and you're secure in him. No man can pluck you out of his hand. That's encouraging to me. Hopefully it is to you as well. Jesus says, I'm the gate. He says, it's a saving faith. There's security there, but there's always also provision. He says, all that come through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Some have said the sheepfold in verse 1 was referring to heaven. I don't like that because it doesn't sound very secure, right? If the thief can climb over the wall and steal something, that doesn't sound like heaven to me. So I don't think he's talking about heaven there. Some have said it represents the church. Well, he's not going to lead us out of the church. But I believe in that context, in verse 1, he's talking about Judaism, the religion, the system that was there that Jesus was pointing to, or all of it was pointing to Jesus, right? As they were observing all these Mosaic laws and covenants, it was all pointing to the need for a Savior. And so Jesus said, like, I'm going to lead them out of the sheepfold of Judaism, and they're going to follow my voice. I'm going to lead them in and out. Later, he talks about a literal pen, leading them in and out, in for security and safety at night, away from the wolves and the animals that will tear them apart. And then out in the daytime where he can let them go to the green pastures. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, it's not a bad thing. You know, some say it's a negative. Like, man, I wish Jesus would call us like lions or something more clever or, or strong or intimidating. But he calls us sheep. Have you ever considered what sheep are? I don't want to offend anybody, but sheep are just kind of dumb. I'm just saying. They don't have a homing, you know, device in them to find their way home. And so it's very important for the shepherd to lead them. In our western states, we might drive them with sheep dogs and stuff, but over there they would lead the sheep, and the sheep would follow them, and they would lead them in, they'd lead them out. And David says, the Lord, he's a good shepherd, he's my shepherd, I shall not want. I've got everything I need, right? 
He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That's provision. That's abundance. He leads me beside still waters. This is not talking about the, the cowboys in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Sorry for you cowboy fans. But this is talking about the water that's still, not the rushing moving water. Because they were scared of that. And so a good shepherd would find an area of the water that was absolutely still where they could be refreshed. He says, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. How many know we have a good shepherd in God? And so there's safety, there's security, there's provision in Jesus. And he extends that call to all. And he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever goes through that gate will be saved. That's good news and a very important thing for each of us to know as we're learning who Jesus is. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm the source. I'm, I'm what's going to satisfy you. I'm gonna, you're going to get your nutrition from me. You have to believe that I am who I am. It's like taking the bread and the, and the wine, right? The blood. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. It's not cannibalism. He's saying, you've got to accept who I am and what I've done. He says, I'm the light. I'm the ultimate source of truth. No other truth out there. The, my truth is the truth. I illuminate, I shine the way, and I open the, the eyes of the spiritually blind. And then he says, I am the way to eternal life. I'm the gate. Not one of the gates, but I am the gate. Whoever comes through me will be saved. They will come, at, come and go freely, and they will find good pasture. And lastly, I want you to notice the contrast in verse 10. Now, we use this verse a lot, and I don't think it's completely out of context, but how many know that the enemy, Satan, um, his MO is to steal, kill, and destroy. So a lot of times you hear us say, well, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give them life and to give it to them in the abundance. And I think that's an appropriate verse to consider when we're talking about the enemy of our souls. But in this context, I believe he's speaking specifically to the, uh, the, 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 the people that are in front of him. He's like, those who climb over the wall are thieves and robbers. And the thieves' purpose, as you see in Ezekiel, as you see in Matthew 23, as he's rebuking these Pharisees and these teachers of the law, he says the thieves' purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They would put these heavy burdens on the back of the, the children of Israel. They abuse them, and when they don't get their way, they kick them out of the church. And Jesus, the good shepherd, the true shepherd, goes and finds the lost sheep. Aren't you glad that he's a good shepherd as well? We'll look at that next week. Jesus says, I am the access. I am the gate. I am the door. I mentioned earlier the most important door we walk through is salvation. I remember walking through that door in my life, realizing where I was at before God. Somebody asked me, Shane, if you died today, would you go to heaven? I couldn't answer the question. See, I knew me and I knew, you know, based on how I was growing up at the time, I thought, well, you know, if all my good outweighs my bad, and there was just too much bad, and I just remember my friend asked me, if you, if you died today, would you go to heaven? I said, I, I really don't think so. I don't know. And I'm so grateful that he loved me enough that he's willing to present the gospel to me, and it was that day that I heard a knock at the door. Not a literal knock at the door, but Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, there's another door, and he talks about knocking on that door. Jesus said, I, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will enjoy a meal with him. I'll sup with him and he with me. Jesus stands at the door of all of our hearts and he says, I'm the way, the truth and life. I'm the gate. Whoever comes through me will be saved. And so the question is, is have you stepped through the gate of faith? Have you trusted in Jesus? Not religion, Religion won't get you there. It won't get you there. 
And there are people still debating on who Jesus is, and they want to deny Jesus as Messiah or deny him as deity. And they're like, ah, Jesus is just one of many things that we do. And if we get all these things lined up right, at the end of life, we'll be okay with God. No, no, no. Please don't be fooled by that. He says, all those are like thieves and robbers. Jesus says, I am the ultimate access to the Father. I am the gate. I am the door. No man goes to the Father except through me. The most important decision you'll make in life is what do you do with Jesus? I pray that you recognize your need for him for salvation and you walk through that gate of faith, if you will, in the gospel of the death and the burial and resurrection of what he did for you and me and you trust him for salvation. And let me just tell you, being the gate, being the door, that's access to the Father. Him being the gate and the door, that's security and that's provision. He meets our needs and he says, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come. The purpose of Christ I have come to give them life. There's life in Jesus, amen? I come to give them life and to give it to them to the fullest, abundantly. Jesus makes it clear as he continues to reveal who he is, that he's more than a man. He's more than just a prophet or a teacher, but he is the way to the Father. He is the gate. The most important doorway you'll walk through is the doorway of salvation. And I just want to remind you, Jesus, he knocks at the door. And if he knocks at the door, what do you do when somebody knocks at the door? Well, in my house, it depends on if I'm dressed or not, right? You run. Somebody knocks on the door. You, op- you open the door, amen? And he knocks on the door of our hearts. And, and my hope and my prayer is that each one of you has said, yes, Lord, I trust in you and you alone for salvation. So the question is, how do you respond to his declaration of who he is? Have you responded to his call to salvation? Have you walked through the gate of salvation, trusting in him and him alone, not religion, not Jesus plus your works or Jesus plus somebody else, but Jesus plus nothing if you placed your faith in him. Or how about you for those of us that have been walking in our faith for a long time? Do we, do we recognize him as our ultimate source of provision and protection? I, I find security in that. That's why I'm not freaking out when I turn on the news and see the latest thing going on in the world. I mean, yes, I did like everybody else. I went to Ezekiel 38 and 39 and studied it. almost brought that message today. I was like, God, it's just what you've already said. There will be wars and rumors of wars. And it's liable to get kind of crazy around here, folks. But I don't panic because I know who's in control, right? I know he's in control. And I, and I find security and peace in that. The Lord is my shepherd. He's leading me. He's guiding me. And I just need to learn to listen to his voice and to follow. Amen? And so maybe for some of us, it's like, I just want to get more in tune with the shepherd's voice, where he leads me in and out. He leads me to, to good things. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. The shepherd's with me, right? His rod and his staff, they comfort me. I hope is that you and I would recognize his place in our own lives. And, and, and maybe you're just here today and you're like, man, Shane, I'm just... I'm struggling in life, and, and I just need that encouragement to know that Jesus is there. Just remember the guy that got kicked out and how Jesus went after him. And we'll look at next week as Jesus is the good shepherd. And I'm so thankful today that he's a good shepherd. And we can come to him with our burdens, with our, our hearts, and say, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I need you to guide me. And as a good shepherd, he will. But make sure that you recognize him for who he is. He is the doorway. He's the gate to eternal life. Hopefully you place your faith in him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for that truth and that revelation today that salvation can be found in no one else 
Lord, that's hard for this world today to hear because it's offensive. Um, we want to add many avenues or many different doorways, uh, Lord, and, and if we just do this or that or follow this religion or follow this prophet, uh, then it'll put us in the right spot. But, Lord, you make it real clear that the only way to you is through your son, Jesus, as the gate, as the door. And my prayer is that today we would recognize Jesus for who he is on a personal level. Lord, not that we would just say, yeah, I agree with that, but we would agree with it personally, and we would take that step of faith through that door into eternal life um, by placing our faith in you. God, I pray that if there's anyone here today that's not done that to today, Lord, maybe you're knocking on their heart's door, that they would respond to that knock, Lord, that they, after the service is dismissed, that they would uh, be able to come forward if they, if they have questions and then they need just help processing through this. God, I pray that you would just move in their hearts and that they would respond to your knock on their heart's door. Father, for the rest of us, I thank you for the encouragement that we, we have and for the security that we have in you. Lord, I just imagine a, a sheep as close to the shepherd as it can be. There's no fear there because they know that the shepherd cares for them. And Lord, we know that you care for us. And I pray, God, that we would just be so in tune with you that we hear your voice. You know us by name, but Lord, that we would recognize your voice and follow you. Lord, as you provide and protect um, and lead us here in this life. God, I pray that you would be honored in our lives. Lord, as we get to know you more, and I humbly ask it in Jesus' name, amen.